0: There's a part of them that really wants to be slim, fit, and healthy, says, Oh, yeah, I'm going to be healthy. I'm going to do it right. And there's another part that says, No. So this tug-of-war struggle between the part of us that wants to be slim and the part of us that wants to keep on the way we are just goes back and forth and back and forth. Coming up, Ariane talks with weight loss expert Renee Stevens. next on Change Nation from First30days.com.
1: Hi, I'm Ariane, and thanks again for joining us today on Change Nation. Today's show is all about weight loss, whether it's 100 pounds you need to lose or those famous last 10 pounds you wish that you could finally lose. I'm going to be talking with Renee Stevens. She's a certified hypnotherapist, life coach, and also the host of a very popular podcast show called Inside Out Weight Loss. She's here with us today to explain how you can finally lose that weight and specifically how you can really look at your thoughts to create a slimmer and much healthier you this year. Welcome Renee, it's a pleasure.
0: It's great to be here, Ariane.
1: So Renee, I guess my first question is what is your main message that you want to get across to people, whether it's men or women, about finally losing that weight?
0: My main message I would say, Ariane, is Um, as much a message as what I do. And what I do is I teach people to be naturally slender. Most people who I work with have been struggling for years and years with their weight. And it's always the same thing, gain, lose, gain, lose, gain, lose, trying to find the magic combination of diet that will somehow solve the problem. And the reality is that they're working at the wrong level, that weight loss is really about motivation. And by teaching people to be naturally slender, I teach them how to prefer to eat healthy foods, how to enjoy exercise. So basically it becomes easy and that's the message. Weight loss can and should be easy. If it's gonna be sustainable, it has to be
1: easy. So Renee, let's talk about this uh, word motivation. I think, you know, we are in the beginning of the year right now, a lot of people feel that they're motivated. In your words, are they not motivated or are they not motivated by the right things?
0: They may indeed be motivated. Typically, what happens this time of year is that people have a very strong away from motivation. What does that mean? That means that they are coming out of the holidays, the pants are tight they might not button, the clothes don't fit and they f- are freaking out because, oh my God, I'm, I weigh too much. So quick, let me go on a drastic diet. Let me do something fast now. That's a very strong motivator in the short term. The problem with that kind of motivation is that once the pants button again and you're five pounds down or 10 pounds down, the motivation begins to wane. And if your goal is to lose you know, the 20 pounds or the 50 pounds or even the 100 pounds, you're never going to get, you're never going to go the distance because the immediate pain has faded away and you have nothing that's pulling you forward to replace that.
1: So give us an example of something that is more of a year-long motivation or even just a lifelong motivation so that this doesn't become an issue and it doesn't remain a struggle for people.
0: Lifelong motivation comes from a couple of pieces. One piece is having all of you in alignment, all of you congruent, all of you wanting the same thing. In other words, to be slim, fit, and healthy. So that creates a very strong basis. In other words, a lot of people are have a weight struggle because there are two parts of them. There's a part of them that really wants to be slim, fit, and healthy, says, oh yeah, I'm going to be healthy, I'm going to do it right. And there's another part that says, no, are you kidding? I'm doing what I'm doing for a reason. I like to eat this way. I like to not exercise. I feel good. I get comfort. I Whatever it is, they're getting something out of it. And so this tug-of-war struggle between the part of us that wants to be slim and the part of us that wants to be to keep on the way we are just goes back and forth and back and forth. So... That we appear, so it seems like we're we're stuck, we're never making any progress. Lifelong motivation comes when all of us, all parts of us, want the same thing. All parts of us want to be slim fit and healthy. Why? Because of the long-term benefits, sure. Because we look better, absolutely. But more importantly, because we feel better in the short term. We feel better today by being slim fit and healthy.
1: Renee, I know a lot of your expertise comes with weight loss that happens, first of all, I guess, in the mind and how our thoughts are either things that help us or holding us back. Mm -hmm. that's probably new to some of the people listening just because to them weight loss is about nutrition and exercise if they can get to it. So let's, Mm -hmm. let's talk about the third component. How do people start seeing the value and the importance of that third piece and possibly even how more important it is than the other two they've been focused on?
0: That's a great question, Ariane. They start by forgiving themselves for overeating and forgiving themselves for being overweight. The reason that they forgive themselves is because they acknowledge what I was just saying, that they do their overeating behavior, they're overweight for very good reasons. They're getting something out of it because if they weren't, they wouldn't do it. And by acknowledging that they're getting something out of it, that then releases that energy so that it can be repurposed and you can find better ways to get that same comfort, that better ways to feel the same safety or protection or ease in your life than overeating or being overweight.
1: Okay, so forgiving number one, what would be number two?
0: Number two would be, let's see, you wanna forgive yourself, you wanna acknowledge that there are reasons that you've been doing what you're doing. And then I'd say the next thing that you wanna do is you wanna teach yourself how to be naturally slender. And I actually do that for people um, in my free podcast. I walk them through the exact steps of being naturally slender. What is being naturally slender? It is moving your time horizon from making decisions about what to eat. So say you walk into a restaurant, say you go to a Mexican, and you say, okay, well, I could have the super grande deluxe burrito with guacamole and sour cream and cheese and all the rest of it. And you think, oh, yeah, I want that. I want that right now because it's going to feel good in my mouth for the you know, three minutes that it's there that you're involved in eating it. But really, how long is that burrito gonna be with you? How are you gonna feel after three hours, right? Mm -hmm. And so what I do is I help people shift their focus so they think about how food will make them feel over time as opposed to just in that instant. So if you think about three minutes versus 300 minutes, think, well, gosh, I'd rather feel good for 300 minutes than I would for three minutes. Changes the whole perspective. And now we're looking at a pleasure-based way of eating that allows
1: you to be naturally slender. Got it. This is Change Nation from first30days.com. We're going to be right back in just a moment. Welcome back to Change Nation. I'm Ariana and I'm speaking with Renee Stevens all about weight loss and thinking differently about weight and being slender and slimmer, not only for this year, but really for life finally. Renee, question for you is there something in men and women that naturally wants us to be thin that we keep either sabotaging that part of us I know some people might just say you know what genetically I'm fat or my mother was fat or I live in a country where people are fat there's a lot of sort of excuses that come with the weight loss issue do you, are any of those excuses and myths valid Or do you really believe that anyone can lose the weight?
0: The reality, Ariane, is that people have been getting fatter over the generations. So if it really were a genetic thing, that wouldn't explain the fact that as a population, more and more people, two-thirds of our population, in fact, is overweight or obese at this point. So when people say to me something like, oh, well, you know, I can't because of this or because of that, um, typically it's an excuse my experience and my belief is that we really can create our own reality. We can create the body that we want. So, you know, a lot of people come to me and say, oh, my mother was fat, my brother was fat, my father was fat, and my dog is fat. So I, um, I, I'm just destined to be fat, right? And then I say, well, why the heck are you calling me, right? And then when it comes right down to it, that is, as you say, it's just a, a reason to say it's a code for I don't think it's possible for me. But the reality is that it's absolutely possible for all of us because all of us were born. We popped out of the womb, eating when we're hungry, stopping when we're satisfied. It's only later on that
1: we learned how to overeat. Have you found that overeating comes obviously when we're stressed, when we're at work, when we're in relationships that aren't healthy or or work environments that aren't healthy? Do you see a connection between sort of stress and pessimism and negativity and food?
0: Yes, many people are triggered to overeat by stressful situations and environments including the work environment, family dynamics, family environments. many of those things can be triggers. Basically what happens is that we're born eating when hungry, stopping when satisfied, but along the way somewhere we learn either from modeling somebody or we had the bright idea on our own, or it's from advertising. We say, oh, well, you know, if I feel bad, maybe if I eat this cookie, I'll feel better. And so they eat the cookie, and they're like, well, you know, I mean, it kind of works. At least it distracts me, and it kind of tastes good. So then they do it again, and before you know it, we've got triggered situations. So emotional pain causes us to overeat. Then on top of that, what happens is that We eat the cookie and now we're overweight or our clothes don't fit and and maybe someone says something not so pleasant to us, and now we're feeling bad again. We're feeling emotionally bad. And we think, well, God, I hate to feel emotionally bad. That's terrible. What can I do that will make me feel good now? Oh, well, lo and behold, how about another cookie? Fantastic. If I eat another cookie, then I'll feel good now. And we get ourselves into this cycle. I call it the cycle of overeating. So, yeah, there are plenty of triggers. So how do, you, what, how do you break the cycle? That's a great question, and the answer is surprising. A lot of people think, well, I just have to resist the brownie, but the problem with resisting the brownie is that we leave ourselves feeling bad, and we want to feel good. So the first piece of creating some space in that cycle, of, of breaking that cycle, is actually to let go of the guilt, and that cycles back to what I said before, which is forgiving ourselves for saying, you know what, it's okay, it's all right. The second piece is you want to focus on how that food actually makes you feel physically over time. How does it feel to have that cookie in your body? Well, if it, you know, probably not so good when it gets right down to it, because if you're eating when you're not hungry and you're eating food that isn't nourishing to you, it's not going to feel great physically. So those are a couple of the steps. The other thing that I do when I'm able to work with people and also in my podcast, which is available for free is I address those triggers through various processes, including something I call a compulsion blowout, where we can actually reprogram the brain to have a different reaction, to have a take it or leave it attitude towards whatever that trigger might be.
1: Is it okay to eat what we want then if we're in a good, positive state? Is that why some people, you know, they're happy, they're positive, and they seem to be able to eat whatever they want?
0: Exactly. And the key there, Ariane, is what you just said. It's what they want because what they want is aligned with what their body needs to be slender.
1: So the fat is really, I'm eating guilt, I'm eating shame, I'm eating unforgiveness.
0: Yes, exactly. In many ways, that's exactly what we're doing. Or we're eating safety and protection.
1: Do you think it's important to change there's circumstances that are making us eat before what we eat? Which one comes first? Like, should I get out of the bad relationship and then the weight will fall off? Or should I start losing the weight and then my relationship will transform?
0: Um, I think it's more the latter than the former. I would would say, if you think you're going to get out of the relationship and then lose weight, you're probably blaming someone else for your issues. And it's much better to address what you do have control over, which is your reactions, because if this relationship is bad and you get out of it and you haven't resolved the underlying reasons why you allowed yourself to be in a bad relationship, for example, perhaps you you don't feel that you deserve to be treated well, then you're just going to get into another similar relationship and have the same problem again in the future. In my experience, it's much better to resolve the reasons that you're in the bad relationship than it is um, so that you don't repeat that same situation again.
1: And Renee, one quick question. Do you believe in any of the quicker fixes, any of the things that are out there on the market, or do you just think it's a big myth and it's really more about something longer term?
0: Um you know, if you want to get slim for a wedding and it's really important for you to do it quickly, then, you know, go on a quickie diet and you'll lose the weight knowing for well that you're going you're gonna to gain it back again when it's over. So it's fine if that's your objective. If, on the other hand, you want to make a change that's going to last for the rest of your life such that it is actually easy to be slim and you prefer it and you become one of those really annoying, naturally slender people then yet you know, maybe you want to do some deeper work, a road that might be a little slower. But ultimately, not only are you going to feel good when you get to your destination, but you're going to feel great along the way.
1: You know, it's funny, Renee, you make me think of something I, I often do is when I'm eating something that I shouldn't be eating. Mm-hmm. Before I eat it, I literally command my body to just take it, digest it, and fully eliminate it. And I basically tell the piece of chocolate cake that this is not going to stay in my body or on my body. I love that. And it just doesn't. And yeah. I used to have weight issues, and I really don't anymore. But when I'm eating it, it's really with no guilt, and I assume my body knows exactly what to do with this.
0: I think that you've touched on something really important there, Ariane, which is the power of intention and the intention with, with, which, with which we eat the food we eat and I, to me, that's much more important than the actual content of the food in most cases. I mean, if you look at the French, gosh, they eat a high saturated fat diet known for pastries, breads, and cheese.
1: They're so and, happy when they're doing it. I'm half French, so I know this culture very well.
0: Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> they love every minute of it, and they put they, just, they feel like they are just doing the best possible thing for themselves by really enjoying their food. And look at them. They're healthier um, eating that diet than a lot of people are eating the hyper-analyzed um, diets that, that some people do in this country.
1: So true. Renee, the way we end off our show is to ask all of our experts the exact same three questions. And they're questions about change, which is obviously what we stand for here at First 30 Days and Change Nation Here's the first question. What is the belief that you personally go to during times of change in your own life?
0: The same universe that has the audacity to give me my dreams and desires has the ability to fulfill them.
1: Beautiful. Second one, fill in the sentence, the best thing about change is?
0: The best thing about change is that it is exciting and contagious.
1: And what is the best change that you've ever made?
0: quitting my career in high tech and um, beginning my practice, um, fulfilling my mission and uh, my dream.
1: And I know that there's thousands of people who've met you, worked with you and, and heard you that are probably very thankful for that change as well. Thank you. Renee, thank you for being on our show. For more information about Renee Stevens and her work, the free podcast she talked about, please go to the following website, www.personallifemedia.com slash And that is spelled R-E-N-E-E. And thanks for being with us on Change Nation. For other fascinating interviews and episodes and wisdom and inspiration, please be sure to check us out online at first30days.com. Thanks again, Renee. Thank you so much, Ariane. Thank you. Thanks for listening.